reading from the ESV. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Thanks, Marina. Well, friends, um, if you have your Bibles, obviously stay at Revelations chapter 22. I'm going to pray for us as we dive in. Lord Jesus, we come before your throne, your holy and righteous throne. We ask that you drown out the noise that's going on in our hearts and minds. That you give us this view, this vision of you this morning. That it will change hearts, save souls, encourage us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, This morning we are sort of doing, we did a mini-series. We started a mini-series at the start of this year and we're finishing it off. We, We began the year by throwing out the big idea of Jesus like no other. And Nathan started that so well for us at the start of the year to put before us, if this, is, this Jesus is true, then how does he shape your life? And then challenged us to make a resolution to live Christ-centered lives. And last week we were immensely blessed to have Steve Chong come and proclaim the gospel and and put it out there and challenge us to run to the relentless love of our Father, which has been deeply and beautifully displayed in Jesus Christ. Uh, This morning, we are simply 
but hopefully by God's power through his word, through his spirit, we're going to reflect on this reality that Jesus is the beginning and the end. That Jesus is the beginning and the end. Now, if someone came up to you this morning and said, trust me, um, you know, it really depends on what kind of relationship with, you have with them. It depends who the person is. It depends on the source. So if you went to buy something and the salesperson turns around you and says, with a big smile on their face, trust me, my guess is most of us will go, no, I won't. But if the person knows you, deeply knows you, the person has a deep love for you, and they say to you, trust me, then we are more open to hearing the words. See, what we have in front of us are true, trustworthy words. And in verse 6, this is what's been told to us. These words are trustworthy and true. And these words that the angel, and particularly specifically talking in the book of Revelation, is everything that John has just heard are all true. Now, for those of us who have grown up in Christian circles, and when we think about Revelation, a few things come to mind. I don't know if this was your upbringing. For me, when I think about the book of Revelation, I think about all the charts. I think about the mark of the beast. In my time, apparently Mikhail Gorbachev was the one who was the Antichrist because he had a birthmark on his forehead. So if you have a birthmark, the elders will be visiting you this week. In recent times, it was Barack Obama, and then recent times, I've heard, apparently it's going to be Oprah Winfrey. But the thing is, we get caught up in it, and Revelation is an amazing, beautiful book. I would encourage you to spend time in it. There's a lot of questions in it, for sure, a lot of symbolism. But there's a purpose for the book of Revelation. Here we have a guy who is an apostle. He's one of the leaders of the early church. He's been exiled for the gospel to an island called Patmos. And from there, he's spending time with Jesus. He's praying to Jesus. And what we have from Revelation 1 all the way to Revelation 22, it's like Jesus downloading onto him amazing prophetic truth, using symbols that would have been relevant for that time to understand for John and his hearers, and particularly it was sent out to the seven churches of that time. These churches who were in the midst or were about to face persecution for their faith. The letter of Revelation is both a very encouraging letter, but is also a deep, powerful letter of warning. And so as Jesus has been downloading to John these visions and, and, and things of truth, how does he choose to finish? He chooses by the way that he started this whole download. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to John, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. These words are true because of the source. These words are true because of the reliable source. You can trust these words because of their character and who they are. You know, if after the service, if I came and was hanging out with some of you and maybe one of you is doing a renovation at your house and I stood next to you and I, and I said, yes, I think 
duct tape might help with that. And I think you need to put some stumps somewhere there, and you might need to get some plaster and a nail gun. There'll be some of you with a smile on your face going, oh, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. But if someone you know in our church who has this skill set, who can actually do this work, actually gave you some recommendations and suggestions, their words are reliable. Their words are trustworthy. Because of the source, because of their character, who they are. You know about them. And who is this person? For John, the one who is the reliable source is this Jesus, that he is coming soon. And John's call is to do the words of the prophecy of this book. The words that have just been downloaded from him. And if you want to widen it, the words that John has grown up with, the word of God. And now it's understandable now, right? So he's been having these encounters, prophetic encounters. It's been powerful and, and amazing. And the angel in the previous few verses have been giving him this grand vision of the kingdom of God coming. It's beautiful. So it makes sense in that moment, in verse 8, when John hears this, and he saw these things, his response is to fall down and worship. And I love the angel's response in this moment. The angel turns around and says, Hey, whoa, John, hold on. Don't worship me. I'm like you. I'm just a servant. Like the prophets who've gone before, the ones who keep the word. And the command to John is to what? Worship God. Worship God. See, Jesus in this moment is crying out and saying to uh, John, Hey, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words. John responds and he thinks it's the angel. And he says, No, don't worship me. Worship God. Worship God. Friends, that statement does not change. That statement is too true today. Worship God. Worship God. See, whether you and I realize our hearts are prone to worship other things, whether if it's someone or something else. So in some sense, worship is like saying, I'm, a, I'm showing allegiance to this. And then for the culture of that time, when they've got the Roman Empire with emperor worship and all the other gods that are there, they're saying, worship these gods, worship the emperor, show your allegiance. Even the angel, an angel who's been in the presence of Jesus Christ, is saying, don't worship me, worship God. And you and I are no different. We are prone at times to worship other things or something else or someone else. Now, as far as I know, I don't know, maybe, if there is, maybe we can come and visit your house this week as an eldership. I'm making the elders sound really scary, but, you know, I'm sure you don't have some sort of shrine. Uh, maybe you have a shrine to your football team, I don't know. Um, but you probably don't have that sort of kind of imagery that would have been quite familiar for these churches that John's writing to. But in Western Christianity, we do have our gods that we worship. The God of comfort. The God of finding the significant other. The God of job security. The God of kids. 
the God of making sure that we have some sort of significance in this world. How do we know if they're gods? Well, we know because we show allegiance to them. We are constantly thinking about it. If you want to know what you worship the most, if you want to know what I worship the most, are there things in those moments when no one's around I'm thinking about or I'm anxious about? These are things that call out and say, come, worship me. For the call to those of us who know Jesus, those who proclaim and understand this truth, who believe in this truth, the call is still the same. Worship God. That change does not happen for us, that does not change for us even today. To constantly ask, God, are you the object of my worship? And this is why as Jesus continues to have this conversation, downloading to John, in verses 12 and 13, what you're given is this powerful picture of both of encouragement and also warning. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first, the last, and the beginning. To a group of churches that are facing persecution, to a man who is in exile, you have this statement by Jesus, I'm coming soon. It is both of encouragement to people who are facing persecution, but it's also a warning when he says, I'm bringing my recompense with me. And then you have this statement of comfort, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus, I think, has been contextualizing. He's using words that are quite familiar to John and of that Roman world. Alpha, the first letter of the Greek language. Omega, the last letter, saying I'm the beginning and the end. In our English language, as much as possible, possibly, we could use things like the A and the Z. And these words are meant to be of comfort and warning. To a man who is in exile, to churches that are both good and bad, but are facing persecution, and you have this reminder, guess what, I'm coming back quickly. You won't know when that is. You can have all the charts in the world. You may even think Oprah Winfrey is the Antichrist, but you won't know when I'm coming. And when he comes, he brings both reward and he brings righteous, holy judgment. Because of his very character, that he is the beginning and the end. So for John and that church is what was going on is that their present circumstances are not shaping them. It's by focusing their gaze on the one who ultimately will always and will continuously be in control. This Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega. I was thinking this week, what would it look like each day if you and I sort of stopped and thought, Okay, maybe Jesus is coming back today. How would that shape your life? How would that shape my life? Sometimes I think in the midst of life, in the chaos and everything that's going on, that's just life, that's normal, whether it's the hard things or just everyday normal life, I think that truth is constantly drowned out, particularly in our Western Aussie culture of comfort. And for those of us who might have just thought that Jesus is just a ticket to heaven, no, not at all. 
The whole focus of Jesus is to cause our hearts and the call to our hearts and my hearts and everyone's heart, to all the nations, is to live lives focused on this one truth, that He is the Alpha and the Omega. Now, I, I don't know, uh, I'm guessing you probably don't use that language in your everyday. You know, I, you know I'm guessing you don't walk up to someone you know and say, you're the Alpha and Omega. Maybe you're a mathematician, you might use it. A few years ago, there was probably one of the most um, terrible romantic movies that ever was made. Jerry Maguire. And there's this line where Jerry wants to tell Renee Selviger, Tom Cruise, his undying love for her, and he says to her, you complete me. Now, I'm just letting you know, and if you're a young lady or a girl, and a guy comes up to you and says, you complete me, you need to run. That is too much pressure. I will never complete my wife. She's probably saying, good. See, this whole idea of you complete me, human beings were designed to be in worship to the one who's the Alpha, the Omega. He is the one who will complete you. He is the only one. Nothing in this world ever will. Your kids won't complete you as much as you should love them. Your job security will not complete you, and you should work and do it all for the glory of God. Having spiritual gifts and talents for the glory of the kingdom of God, you should use them, but that will not complete you. Having a house deposit, save up for it and do that, but that will not complete you. Advancing in your career for the glory of God, do it, go for it, but that will not complete you. Being married or being single is not what will complete you. Being a lead pastor of a church will not complete you. There is only one. His name is Jesus. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And for those of you who are exploring the Christian faith, a bit apathetic to it, it is a warning and a call. Because right now in your life, there is lots of things crying out to say to you, I will complete you, I will complete you. No, it will not. They're lying. You were designed to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. That's only possible when you realize there is only one who is the Alpha, the Omega. This is Jesus Christ. And this Jesus, when you discover and respond in faith to this call into your life, He will come and then you will see that these words of Him being the Alpha and Omega is comforting words. And this is why the author continues as his download is given. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. What we've given is this picture of a day that is coming. For the original people who have heard this, this tree of life, this language, this biblical language, it's always been there. But the first thing that should go back is in Genesis 3, when the first humans said to God, I do not want your loving authority in my life. We gave into temptation and sin. There was a tree of life that was there, and God blocked it off. 
no access. Both of judgment and grace. So they don't live eternally in their wrath and sin. And what we have this picture is of, of a group of people, robes, washes, this idea they've lived their lives following the commands of God as God expected because of who Christ is, that he is the Alpha and the Omega. It's captured their life and their heart. And they enter the city. If you want to read what the city is about, you can just flick back to the previous chapter. From a, from a garden, we have the city arriving, the kingdom of God, and right there is this tree. And what they are given is access to this tree. But what's very interesting is that John, rather than just saying tree in the original language, has uses a specific word that we read, the cross. The cross. It's a reminder to both his hearers and his readers, and even to us today, that to get access to this tree, there was a cost that was paid in Christ Jesus. He's the one who has given us this access. That's why we can have access. It's all of Christ's work. And then there's this contrast, frightening picture of those who are outside the city. If you want to summarize who these people are, these are individuals, people who have said, I do not want Jesus to be the Alpha and the Omega of my life. But the picture that is given is permanent, eternal judgment. It's a judgment of God to say, you're out of the city, you will not have any access. You will not have any right to the tree of life. Because this tree of life, this cross has now offering you peace and forgiveness continues, you rejected it. And so your judgment is that that state, that practice of life that you're living, you will be permanently stamped on you. That's who you'll be called. My friends, this is why at Canterbury Gardens Community Church, we're constantly talking about being Christ-centered. That's why we're constantly talking about being a gospel-centered community. All these kind of Christian jargon is to ultimately say, don't ever lose sight of the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the only hope to this world. But for those of you who might be exploring us, we want to invite you to work out and make sure you explore the truths of Jesus. Because there's a day coming, you will not get a second chance. Because of who he is, Christ is the Alpha and Omega. We want you to explore these truths, test it out, because he is true. And because of who he is, he's described in this beautiful language of being the morning star. Once again, biblical language, but it's like saying he's the first one. This is the one that we see, this beautiful language. And as all of these things are described, what is the response of those who know that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega? It's like a yearning crying out. The Holy Spirit says, come. The church of God says, come. And those who hear this voice says, come, Lord, because we want to come and drink of that water, that language of water. Throughout the Bible is this picture of Jesus saying, what I offer you, you'll never thirst again. And this final picture is to show this river that's throughout the city is to say, you'll drink out of it, and this is the picture of eternal life. And guess what? You have access, full access, because of the price has been paid. 
one of my favorite um, preachers, um, theologians, and a guy who writes pretty, a lot of books, he's very smart, is a guy called Tim Keller. And recently uh, he put a quote up, which I think what it really captured for me what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm just going to put Anne to put that up in a second because I don't have it in front of me. This is what he says. Becoming a Christian is not like signing up for a gym. It's not a living well program that will help you flourish and realize your potential. Christianity is not another vendor supplying spiritual services you engage as long as it meets your needs at a reasonable cost. Christian faith is not a negotiation, but a surrender. It means to take your hands off your life. This is what it means to be in submission to the Alpha and Omega. So friends, this morning as we invite the music team to sing the last song, here are some questions for you to consider. As you head into work this week, as you live your retired season in life, as you use a nail gun appropriately, <laughs> is the reality of Christ being the Alpha and Omega shaping that? Or is something or someone else? And is the knowledge of knowing that Jesus is coming back shaping all of that? Or is it something or someone else? Church, this is why we exist. We are the church that cries out, Come, Lord Jesus. We also cry out on behalf of those who have rejected him. So, Lord, show mercy as you've shown us mercy. Because Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Omega. And he is coming soon. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for these truths and statements. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to apply these things. Help us to live lives captured by this truth that you are coming soon. So help us to find comfort in that in our midst of trial and struggle. We also pray that we will, that truth will shape our lives. Thank you that we will always find true completeness in you as the Alpha and Omega. You are the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In Jesus' name, amen.